I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. I'm your host, Claire Coles, and this is a special episode on who to watch for Team USA during the 2022 Beijing Olympic Games. Can't believe we're already in another Olympic year, so let's get started. I want to start with a little bit of Olympics by numbers. So in this Olympics, there will be 2,900 athletes competing in 109 events for 90 countries. This is the 24th Winter Olympics. It'll take place over 18 days in 15 sports with seven new events. And this is the first city to host both a winter and Olympic Games. Now, this podcast and corresponding blog post will focus on Team USA. However, Team USA is not the dominant country in the Winter Games. Unlike the summer, we have been in attendance for all 23 so far, this making it 24. However, Norway leads in total medal count with 368, whereas the United States has 305. They also have us beat as far as the number of golds at 132 to 105. However, Team USA is positioned in a couple of events to really take some gold medal favorites, and that's basically what we're going to focus on today. But before we go into the people specifically, let's get into the games and when what starts. So technically, events actually started yesterday, which was Wednesday. I am filming this on Thursday. And Wednesday, we saw prelims of mixed curling and in the round robin groups. And then we saw luge training runs. Now, tonight, we also have figure skating and a couple other things. But the first medal given out will be the women's 7.5 kilometer skiathlon in cross-country skiing. That will be given out on Saturday at 1.45 a.m. Central Time. 
The final medal awarded will also be in cross-country skiing. The women's 30-kilometer mass start free will be given out at 12.30 a.m. on Sunday, February 20th. The opening ceremonies will be tomorrow, Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. Central Time on NBC. That will officially open the games. Although, again, like I said, we've had other events. And then the closing ceremonies will be on the 20th. So remember, Beijing is 14 hours of the central time zone. So anytime we're watching, we've got events in the morning, which would have been the previous night events for Beijing. And then we'll have events in the evening for us here in the United States. And that will be the next morning in Beijing. So it kind of works out that we get to watch a decent amount and stuff will obviously happen while we're asleep. I believe events actually start at like midnight on some nights and run through all the way pretty much until 7 a.m. ish is what I've seen. And then as far as the afternoon session starts again, usually about 7 p.m. The Olympics will be shown on NBCSN, NBC and USA. Okay, but on to why we're here. Team USA gold medal favorites or at least big time contenders. And we are going to start with one of the biggest ones, Michaela Schifrin. So if you don't know who she is, she was in Pyeongchang in 2018. She is competing in alpine skiing. Her specialty is the slalom and the giant slalom. However, she has said she will likely compete in all five individual alpine skiing events. That's the two that she's specialty of. So slalom and giant slalom that she's won before. And then the alpine combined, the super G and the downhill. And if you don't know what those are, we'll go over those in the dumb questions. You don't want to ask your boyfriend winter games version. So she is the two time gold medalist in the slalom for Sochi and the giant slalom in 2018. So she's won two gold medals. She was the youngest gold medalist to win in the slalom back in Sochi. Her competition, though, she needs to watch out for is Italian Sofia Goja, who is coming back from the latest injury. That will be in the downhill. Swiss skier Lara Gutbarami is sitting in the world is the sitting World Cup champ in the giant slalom. And Swiss skier Michelle Gisen is won the combined in 2018 and got third at this year's world championships. So when can you catch Michaela Schifrin in action? She starts on February 6th. These are only her medal events. So I didn't do any of the qualifying because that's way too much. So she believe, she starts the giant slalom on February 6th. Run 1 and 2 will be that night at 8.15, starting at 8.15 p.m. The slalom is on the 8th, also at 8.15. There will be two runs of that. Then on the 10th is the Super G at 9. The 14th will be the downhill at 9 p.m. The 16th, you'll have the combined starting with the downhill run at 8.30. And then on the 17th, the combined slalom run at midnight. Other things to know about Michaela Schifrin is she's already had COVID six weeks before the Olympics started. So we're really hoping that three month immunity really lasts for her. And her mother was also an alpine skier. Also, she took some time off after her dad passed away in 2020. They were very close. Sticking with the women, we're going to go to the snowboarding side. We have Jamie Anderson coming back for her 
third Olympics. She's competing in snowboarding, but more specifically slope style and big air. She is the two-time reigning gold medalist in slope style and reigning silver medalist from Pyeongchang 2018 in big air. In the slope style, she is going for the three-peat. Her competition that she needs to watch out for, literally I couldn't find it because that's just how dominant she's been. So hopefully that just continues. When to watch her. On February 5th, you will have the slope style. Runs 1, 2, and 3 will run right after another, starting at 7.30 p.m. The big air will be on Valentine's Day, the 14th, starting at 7.30. Other things you need to know about her, she became the first female snowboarder to win two Olympic golds, and she's one of seven siblings. Sticking with snowboarding, Chloe Kim was by far one of the shining stars to come out of Pyeongchang in 2018. She also competes in snowboarding, but in the women's half pipe. So obviously, reigning gold medalist from Pyeongchang, that's how she got her name and why she's such a rising star. She is also the youth Olympic champ from 2016 and current world champ from both 2021 and 2019. She was the youngest woman to win Olympic snowboarding gold at the age of 17. What's who she needs to watch out for here? Kind of same thing as Jamie Anderson, kind of in a class all of her own. So her own mindset is going to be her biggest competition. Kind of think Simone Biles of the gymnastics world. She's had a lot of pressure on her. She is considered one of the face, main faces of this games with Michaela Schifrin. So just expect that to kind of be her biggest battle. When to watch her, she will be in action February 9th in the half pipe. Runs one, two, and three run consecutively starting at 730. She was also the highest paid female snowboarder in history and is sponsored by Nike, Toyota, and P&G. I would be remiss if I don't automatically just go ahead and start with Sean White on the men's side here. So we're going to stick with snowboarding and we're going to flip to the men's. So Sean White is returning for his fifth Olympics in the men's halfpipe. He has only failed to win gold once in Sochi in 2014. However, not in the case of the women. The, this field is stacked. You have Japanese snowboarder Hirano. He is two-time reigning silver medalist. He'll be in the field. Also, fellow Japanese Totsuka is the reigning world champ, so he might also make a play at gold. We also have Australian Scotty James, who has been around in this for a long time. If you are a fan of Sean White, you have heard of Scotty James. He won three world championships and won bronze in 2018. The men's half pipe will be in action on February 10th, runs 1, 2, and 3, starting at 7.30 p.m. Other things to know about Sean White is he said this will be his last Olympics, although we've heard that before. So he did say he will keep competing as long as he is enjoying it. So he also tried to qualify for skateboarding in the Summer Olympics in Tokyo, but did not make it. Another American going for the three-peat is David Wise. He will be competing in freestyle skiing in the skiing halfpipe. See how there's a flow here? His previous Olympics, he is the two-time reigning Olympic gold medalist. Again, going for that three-peat. His competition he needs to watch out for is the next guy on my list. Who is Alex Ferreira. He is also competing in the same thing. He was the silver medalist from Pyeongchang. And... They will be in action in the half pipe, free ski, not snowboarding, on the 18th at starting at 7.30, runs 1, 2, and 3. 
So if you may have seen, obviously curling has already started, but another American to watch out for in curling would be John Schuster. He has competed in every Olympics since 2006. That is Torino for those of you who are not huge Olympic fans. He got the bronze medal in Torino in 2006. He then placed 10th in Vancouver in 2010, 9th in Sochi in 2014, and finally got that gold medal in Pyeongchang of 2018. He will be in individual men's curling. The competition he needs to watch out for, according to the World Curling Federation, the top three teams are Sweden, Switzerland, and then Canada. When to watch him, the round robins are the only things that have been announced so far. So he will be in action starting on the 9th versus the Russian Olympic Committee at 6.05 a.m. He will then have two matches on the 10th against Sweden at midnight at and Great Britain at 7 p.m. Similar on the 12th, Norway at 12.05 and Canada at 7.05. Then one match each on the 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th. Alternating time, 6 a.m. to 7.05. Check out the blog for extra. The games I just listed are the round-robin rounds. So the top four teams from that go on to the semifinals and then obviously the finals in a normal bracket setting. Going with another American that kind of just stands alone in their sport is Jessie Diggins. She will be competing in cross-country skiing. As far as like what disciplines, in 2018, she competed in the women's team sprint, the 15-kilometer skiathlon, the 4x500-meter relay, uh, kilometer relay, the 10-kilometer freestyle, the 30-kilometer mass start, and the sprint classic. So far, she has not announced which events she intends to compete in in Beijing. The previous Olympics, she won the USA's first Olympic cross-country skiing gold in the women's team sprint. She has said that her goal this time is to win the 4x500 kilo relay as well as an individual gold. However, those standing in her way is Sweden's Maya Dalkvist and Frida Carlson are the top of the sprints and the distance World Cup standings. Also, ROC's Natalia Neprieva is good at both distance and sprints and is the top of the overall World Cup standings. So those are her biggest competitions. When to watch her on February 10th, Women's 10-Kilometer Classic at 1 a.m. On the 12th, it's the Women's 4x5-Kilometer Relay at 1.30. On the 16th, she'll be in the team sprint. The semi and the final start at 3 a.m. and then 5 a.m. And on the 20th is the Women's 30K start Mass Start. Other things to know about her, since her iconic 2018 race, she also won the Tour de Ski and was the first American to do so, male or female. It is kind of like the Tour de France, but in cross-country skiing, so it's kind of modeled after that. She is also third in the World Cup rankings with two individual wins. In one of the new seven events of the Olympics, Alana Myers-Taylor is the favorite in the monobob, which is a bobsled event. She will also be competing in the two women sleigh event as well. In the previous Olympics, this is her fourth Olympics, so she has two silvers in the last two Olympics and a bronze from Vancouver in 2010. Her competition that she needs to watch out for is pretty much anyone from Germany. They have been dominant in both Olympics and World Championships, and she's also got some competition from fellow American Callie Humphreys as well. 
went to watch her. She will be on for the Monobob Heats 1 and 2 starting on the 12th. They start at 7.30. Then same time on the 13th for Heats 3 and 4. Lowest aggregate score of the Heats gets the gold. So the gold will be determined on the 13th. Then the two-woman Heats start on the 18th at 6 a.m., and then 7.30, followed the next day on the 19th at 6 a.m. and 7.30 with Heat 3 and 4. Sorry, guys, but we have a lot of women to cover. Apparently, the women are more favored than the men. In speed skating, we're going to start with Erin Jackson. She will be competing in the 500 meter. That is her specialty, as well as the 1,000. In the previous Olympics, she got 24th in Pyeongchang, but she has seriously progressed since then. She also didn't even start speed skating until 2017, so that might be why she didn't place very well in 2018. The competition she needs to watch out for is Japanese Nao Kadara, who is reigning gold medalist and Olympic record holder in the 500 meters. She will also be competing in the 1,000 and 1,500. When to watch Aaron Jackson will be February 13th for the women's 500 meter. That will be at 7.56 a.m. She then will be competing on the 1,000 at 2.30 a.m. Other things to know about Erin is she became the first black woman to win a speed skating World Cup victory, and then she did that multiple times over the season. Although she is ranked number one in the 500 meters, she failed to qualify for Team USA as she tripped during her race. USA only had two spots. However, friend Brittany Bowe, who I'm going to talk about next, gave up her qualifying spot so that Jackson could go. Speaking of, Brittany Bowe is another favorite. She will be competing in speed skating in the 500 meter, 1000 and 1500 meter and probably most likely team pursuit. Now, if you're a little confused because I just said she gave up her spot in the 500 meter after all the qualifying was over for all the countries, the U.S. was actually allocated another spot due to quotas being reached. So they were able to add Brittany Bow back in for her 500 meter spot. So she will be competing in that event as well. Her specialty, though, is most likely the thousand as she set the world record in 2019. In previous Olympics, though, she had a very disappointing Sochi 2014 games and just got the bronze in the team pursuit at Pyeongchang. However, since then, she set the world record in the thousands, so she is definitely someone to watch out for. Her competition that she needs to worry about is same as Erin to be wary of the Japanese Kadara, and another Japanese skater, Takagi, has won three of the four 1,500-meter world stops this year. When to watch her, same times as Erin Jackson, as well as the 1500, which will be competed on the 7th at 2.30 a.m. Okay, my friend Noel has got to be listening to this and been so mad at me for waiting this long without mentioning him. Nathan Chen is a favorite in the men's figure skating competition. He will be competing in the men's singles event, as well as the team event. Now, as far as his previous Olympics, his name has been thrown around as one of the big-time favorites, again, a face of these 2022 games. However, he got bronze in Pyeongchang after he was a huge favorite as well. It was one of the biggest upsets in winter games maybe ever in history. He failed to land a single jump cleanly in the entire short program. He was 17th after the short, but then scored an Olympic record 215 points after six quads in the free skate to take third. 
So he did get the bronze, but it was a huge disappointment in 2018. He is looking to majorly come back from that in Beijing. He also has not like lost a major world competition since then that he's competed in. However, his competition is stiff by the Japanese. On you is the two-time reigning Olympic gold medalist, including obviously when Nathan Chen didn't do very well. Fellow Japanese skater Shoma Uno was is the reigning silver medalist from Pyeongchang, and he is also a contender. So Japan, Japan actually took one, two last Olympics. Nathan Chen looks to upset that Japanese dominance. So when to watch him actually tonight in the men's short program, but this will be for the team event at 7.55 p.m. That is like literally right now. On the 5th, he will also be in the team event, but he will do his free skate at 9.50. Then his real event starts on the 7th. He'll come in for the short program at 7.15. And on the 9th, we'll see what happens in his free skate at 7.30 p.m. He has not lost a skating event except the Olympics since 2017. Oh, and in his spare time, he attends Yale and wants to go to medical school. So not an overachiever at all. I will also hit on the women's figure skating trio here, even though the Russians have been so dominant. But the Americans competing on the women's side is Mariah Bell, Alyssa Liu, and Karen Chen. They'll be in figure skating, women's singles, and the team event. Only Karen Chen has been to an Olympic Games before. She took 11th in 2018. So competing in back-to-back Olympics has not been done by an American woman since Sasha Cohen in 2002 and 2006. The competition that I mentioned that they need to watch out for is the ROC women. They could absolutely sweep the medals. Camilla Valieva is just 15 years old, but holds the record for the highest score. Fellow Russian Alexander Tosova was the first to land a quad lutz, toe loop, and flip in a competition, and fellow Russian Anna Sherbakova is also a contender for the medal podium. This is going to make it very hard for any American woman to get on the podium. When to watch them, the team women, the team event, the women's short program will begin on the 5th at 7.30 a.m. And then the free will be on the 6th at 9.35 p.m. Then the women will do this women's single event will begin on the 15th with their short program at 4 a.m. and the 17th at 4 a.m. for their free skate. A little bit about each woman. Mariah Bell is the oldest woman to win a national championship since 1927 at the very old age of 25. <laughs> she is the oldest figure skater individual woman to skate for Team USA also since 1928. You may recognize her coach's name. It's Adam Rippon. He is the bronze medalist from Chang. Alyssa Liu is on the opposite side. She was the youngest woman to win nationals at age 13 in 2018. She was, however, too young to qualify for the Olympics. Her Olympic debut is highly anticipated. She actually tested positive for COVID during nationals after her short program. She was sitting in third, so she actually got an exemption in to make the Olympic team. Karen Chen took second in nationals this year. She is also a student at Cornell, and her brother is a figure skater, but he competes in ice dancing. 
Another women's team I want to mention is the U.S. women's hockey team. They will be, well, competing in ice hockey. Shocker. In the previous Olympics, the USA have medaled in every Olympics since the women's hockey started and was added to the Olympics in 1999. They won the gold in Pyeongchang last Olympics and Nagano in 1998, then two silvers in a row in Sochi 2014 and Salt Lake 2010. They have been beat out one time for silver. Otherwise, it has been Canada and the United States all the way for 1-2, just trading it off. The only time that there was a team between them was in 2006, Turin and Sweden took second. When to watch the women in action, they played today at 7-10 against Finland. They will be against Switzerland at 7-10 on the 5th. On the 7th, they'll play their right arch rivals of Canada at 10-10. Then we move on to the brackets. The quarterfinals will be played on the 10th through the 12th. The semifinals on the 13th and 14th, and with the bronze medal and gold medal match on the 16th. Other things to know about this women's team is 15 of the 23 women on the roster have had prior Olympic experience. Hillary Knight has the most, and she's been to four previous Olympics. That wraps it up for who to watch on Team USA, but I do want to go over some dumb quote unquote, dumb winter Olympic questions you don't want to ask your boyfriend. And I have actually been asked some of these. So what is the difference between the Alpine skiing events? So you have the five, right? You've got downhill, slalom, giant slalom, super G and Alpine combined. Let's start with the downhill. That is the fastest and longest course with the gates set furthest apart. And it's very simple. Get down the mountain as fast as possible and you win. The slalom on this on the opposite end of the spectrum. That is the most technical event as the gates are closest together. The course is shortest and has the quickest turns. You'll get two runs on two different courses and the lowest time aggregate of both runs wins. Then you have the giant slalom. This is two runs on the same day on a longer slalom course. So think of that as getting back towards the downhill a little bit. Then you have the super G, which is basically another way of saying the super giant slalom. This one is longer and considered a combo between the downhill and the slalom. Gates are further apart and only run, run. You get only one run. Oh yeah. And no practice. So you don't get to see it and you have to face the course blind. This is the most wild race. It's so fun. Then you have the Alpine combined, which is one downhill run, or it can be a super G. And then one slalom run. Lowest aggregate time of the runs wins. There's also another event called the Mixed Team Parallel Slalom. This is a super fun event to watch if you've never watched it. It's kind of new. This event pitches four people from one country, two women and two men, and they race next to each other side by side on an equal slalom course. If you beat the other person down the mountain, you get a point. And if the teams are split two and two after all four people go, the lowest aggregate time wins. Same kind of question as far as order of difficulty in figure skating jumps. So in order of easiest to hardest, you have a toe loop, a saucow, a loop, a flip, then a lutz, and the hardest is the axle. So jumps are differentiated by takeoff foot, edges taken off and landed on, and toe versus edge jumps. Edge jumps are considered harder. I'm not going to go over all of these because there's a bunch of them, but the axle is the most difficult. It involves at least 
one and a half turns. So if you hear a double axle, it's actually two and a half turns as the skater is facing forward, but lands backward on the outer edge of the other foot. The Lutz is when the skater starts skating backwards on a curve, taking off on the back outside edge of one foot, landing on the back outside edge of the other foot. The landing foot is also used to propel them upwards. The difficulty of that jump comes from the skater having to rotate the other direction from the curve that they're actually on. A flip is similar to the axle because they land on the opposite foot of the takeoff, but they use the toe of the other foot to propel them forward and the inside edge of the takeoff foot. A loop is an edge jump, meaning the skater takes off and lands on the back outside edge on the same foot. A sow cow is where the skater takes off from the back inside edge of one foot, but lands on the back outside edge of the opposite foot, opposite edge and feet. And finally, the easiest, a toe loop is similar to the loop in the sense that they take off and land on the same edge and foot, but this jump uses the toe pick on the opposite foot to propel them into the air. So what is the difference between the short program and the free skate? So the short program is only two minutes and 40 seconds, plus or minus 10 seconds. Everything I say from now on is going to be plus or minus 10 seconds. The men and women have certain requirements that are required in the short program that are very specific, like that women must have a double or triple axle, two tri triples, a jump combo, as a, and they, they tell you what kind of jump combo, a flying spin, a laid back or sideways leaning spin, or sit or camel spin without change of foot, a spin combo with one change of foot, and a step sequence of the entire ice. That's what the women must have. The men must have a double or triple axle, a triple or a quad jump, a jump combo. Again, there's a list of qualifications you have to have. One flying spin and camel or sit spin. So the free skate is a lot longer, but you kind of get to pick what you want. So for the women and the dance, it's four minutes and the men and the pairs, it's four and a half minutes. Again, give or take 10 seconds. All must have up to seven jumps, one axle, up to three spins, one has to be a combo, one step sequence, and one choreographed sequence. So i.e. the free skate, you have a lot more freedom in what you choose to do with your choreography and what you choose as far as your jumps. And my final question that I was asked was the difference between long track and short track speed skating. So the long track is like 400 meters, so exactly like track and field in the Summer Olympics, but there's only two lanes. So only two skaters compete at a time, and you must stay in a separate lane. I didn't say the same lane, but they must be in a separate lane. Long track skaters also race the clock over racing each other. You can actually be in the same heat and still both qualify for the next round. Think of this as like a time trial event. Long track skaters tend to be taller of the two disciplines. Another easy differentiator is no helmets are worn on the long track. The short track by comparison is 111.12 meters long, aka the same as an international hockey rink with no lanes. Four to six skaters can compete in each race and no one has to stay in their lane because there's no lanes. Skaters compete against each other to advance out into the next round. This is also how you get a lot of tons of crazy crashes. So if you're thinking speed skating, what should I picture? If you're th picturing Apollo Ono and his crazy crash, that is short track. So with all of these aspects, short track skaters are usually shorter. Shorter.
I know this episode was really long, but it is an Olympic episode and you know how fanatical I can get. So, so pumped about Beijing 2022 and Team USA. I will leave you with one big piece of advice is if you haven't watched Snowboard Cross, you are in for a treat. It is complete pandemonium. A lot of people fall during their races and they have a new event, a mixed team Snowboard Cross. So if you haven't caught it and watched it once, that is my biggest piece of advice. Go watch Snowboard Cross. Go Team USA.